0: Blue wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford step it up, going left side, watch Calvin, got him! Oh, baby, that was a rocket! And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Michael Rothstein Show, a semi-emergency edition. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein, and this episode is sponsored by Bet Online, where you can get a 50% welcome bonus by using the code BLUEWIRE on your first deposit. So it happened. What we thought might happen last night did this morning, and hence the semi-emergency version of this podcast. Darius Slay is gone, off to Philadelphia less than 12 hours after Detroit agreed to terms with Desmond Trufant, who will now be Slay's replacement. And let's dive right into it. The particulars of the deal, as reported by Adam Schefter, is Darius Slay to Philadelphia for a third and fifth round pick in the 2020 draft. On the face, that might not sound like much at all. And realistically, it's not a ton. But it's likely what the Lions could get for many reasons. First, Slay was in a contract year and Philly had to give him a new deal, which definitely changes the level of compensation versus if he had been under contract for another two seasons. Then there's also the situation involved, which appeared to be getting more tense. The Lions were openly shopping Slay, and when's the last time you've seen the Lions be open about much of anything when it comes to transactions? And Slay was openly talking about being somewhere else potentially in 2020. And that was even before the acquisition of Trufant. So it was obvious the move was going to happen. It was just a matter of finding the right partner that was going to give Detroit something to work with and also extend Slay. That potentially took some teams out of the running, especially since Slay's contract hopes were pretty darn high. And the Eagles, for now, made him the highest paid cornerback in the NFL, something that, frankly, I think he deserved. From a draft perspective, the Lions have now five picks in the top 110 of the draft, which, if Bob Quinn drafts correctly, can make a real difference on the roster right away. And frankly, he better hope it does. But he has to hit. He has to hit on almost all of them. And don't forget, too, if the Lions move down from number three to, say, number five or number six, they could even add more picks, making them incredibly active in this year's draft. And one last note on Slay being the highest paid corner in the NFL. That could change quickly, too, because Tredavious White and Jalen Ramsey are both likely to get new contracts here soon. And that will automatically push Slay's number down. And frankly, by the time his contract's over, it might once again, like his current deal, look like a very good deal for the Eagles. But was the compensation enough for the Lions based on Slay's talent? Probably not. Based in reality, based on what was going on, it was probably the best the Lions could do. But this is more than just about the compensation received, because this trade was never really about that. This was about the Lions not wanting to pay Slay what he thought he was worth, and based on the deal given to Trufant, it would seem like the bar Detroit had would have never come close. This was about the Lions and Slay being a little bit different from each other both in what they thought of him financially and also their personalities. And I'll explain how right after this break. With currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done, there's still esports, and that's on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest in July. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BLUEWIRE, your new ticket to online action. And now, back to our show. See, Slay never had the relationship with this coaching staff that he did with Jim Caldwell. If you listen to this podcast with Slay last month, he was very upfront with about how different his relationship was with Caldwell than it was with Patricia. He still talked to Caldwell, even though he wasn't his coach for almost two years. He checked in on him when he was not doing well. There was a real bond there, a real relationship there. With Patricia, it was all business. It had always been all business. Caldwell just treated players differently. And as I've always said, that makes a difference to players. They notice, especially when you aren't winning. Just remember back in 2015 when the Lions were struggling and Martin Mayhew and Tom Lawand ended up losing their jobs, which led to this current regime. Players never turned on Jim Caldwell, even when they were one in seven, even when they were really, really bad. They never badmouthed him or his staff, at least for the most part. You never sensed any real disgruntlement with the coaching staff. You heard it in their voices, and you truly believed it that they wanted to play for him. I don't think you can say that with the Lions in the last two seasons. And that's been there almost since the beginning. And in some ways, it's been there with Slay since almost the beginning. Slay is outspoken. As he once said, he answers the questions that people ask him. And so often, he was bluntly honest about it. It made him a favorite of the media and the media good guy winner for the franchise this past year. He made it clear how disappointed he was when Quandre Diggs was traded last season. He was very open about it. He said nobody's safe. He questioned loyalty. And at that point, more than anything else, that's probably when Darius Slay went on the trading block for the first time. And in reality, he never came off of it. The Lions are losing a good player. Frankly, they're losing their best defensive player over the past half-decade once and Sue left. They lost a player they could rely on in their secondary to handle any top receiver he faced and at least give Detroit a neutral chance, if not an advantage, in that matchup. He was, and remains, a dynamic press cornerback that the Lions will struggle to replace. Sure, he maybe didn't look as good this year as prior years, but you have to understand what that was about. The Lions got no pass rush, and they were asking him to play a lot of man, a lot of press, and once teams figured that out, they ran crossers and deep routes across the field. Any cornerback in the NFL can only stay with a receiver for so long in that situation if quarterbacks can stay on their mark and on their spot. So sure, maybe Slay didn't have the best season, but it wasn't just about Slay. It was about a combination of everything that just wasn't working for the Detroit defense. And now, at least in part because of that, Darius Slay is gone. I've long been an advocate of saying, don't get rid of your good players if you want to win. It's solid business sense and football sense. Yet the Lions seem to have a habit of getting rid of some of their good players, whether it's Golden Tate in 2018, Quandre Diggs last season, or Darius Slay now. For separate reasons in each situation, those moves were very confusing. With Golden Tate, the Lions were still in the playoff hunt when they traded him, and then they basically tanked after that. Not purposely tanked, but they were not competitive in the playoff situation at that point. When they traded Quandre Diggs last year with multiple years left on his contract, it just seemed like a bad deal. And then Quandre Diggs went on to play pretty darn well in Seattle. And now you've got Darius Slay with a year left and still the best defensive player on the team being shipped to Philadelphia. I get the reasoning why, whether it's the Patriot way or trying to get out before a player declines. I get that. And we'll see what happens with Slay in Philly. But sometimes even an elite player at 80% is as good as the guy who you're bringing in to replace him. And with Slay, even if he ended up on the decline in a year or two, would likely be better than what Detroit might have had in the interim. And that's not a knock on Trufant, who is also a good player. Plus, don't forget, if the Lions end up taking Jeffrey Okuda at number three or number five or six, wherever they end up drafting in April, or Omani Owarie ends up developing as they hope he might, they could easily have made Darius Slay a number two corner in a couple of years. And what a number two corner he could have been. Of course, this was never really about that either. There's a saying that teams are willing to put up with good players until they're not. And between Slay's contract demands and his willingness to be outspoken when that doesn't jive with what this regime would necessarily like their players to do or to be, it was never going to be a long-term fit. It just wasn't. All of that is a shame for Slay and it's a shame for Lions fans because that's the other piece of this as well. I've been in Michigan for 10 years now, covered the Lions for seven. I can't remember another player in that time who embraced the city and the fan base like Slay has that wasn't already from here. He showed up on his own to high school football and basketball games. He hosted free clinics for anyone that was interested on a whim, picking people at random on Twitter. He developed relationships with some of the area's high school star athletes, including Michigan State guard Rocket Watts and Michigan receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's now an NFL draft prospect himself. He started to really watch Imani Bates, who might end up being one of the best players in the NBA draft a couple of years from now and there's no doubt if Bates wanted that relationship, Slay might have created that with him too. Slay would show up to high school graduation parties if asked. And then he would stay for hours. And he would give away his Pro Bowl gloves. And he would spend time with people's families. And he just would do things that made people feel good. And he stressed that over and over again. He wanted to make people feel good. He wanted to make people feel special. He grew up in Brunswick, Georgia, and there was never an NFL player around that did that for him. He was the first one from his town to really make it in the NFL. Of course, there's more now, including two Lions and Tracy Walker and Justin Coleman. But he remembered that. And he wanted to pay that forward. And he did over and over and over again. I went with him to a high school game this year, a high school football game, that is. And I saw how the fans reacted, how the basically treated him like a rock star and he took selfie after selfie and picture after picture and he would chat with cheerleaders and fans and people who wanted to play video games with him and then he would basically say yeah sure just find me and then he would play with them he would sign shoes and cell phone cases and make jokes and even go into the stands with a student section that night was really impressive because I don't know if I'd ever seen an athlete do that. For example, Luke, Luke Kennard from the Detroit Pistons happened to be there the same night. Kennard mostly stood on the track. He engaged with some fans here and there. But Darius Slay was different. Darius Slay was a rock star. He was, in every sense of the word, what you would want an athlete to be in this city. He was fantastic on the field and willing to engage off of it. That doesn't happen all that often and he'll likely be missed in Detroit just as much because of that. As far as covering him, he was a joy to cover. You could literally talk with him about anything, from his love of Kobe Bryant, to video games, to what it takes to cover some of the best receivers in the league. He'd be open about his upbringing, what it was like to be a father, and he would gush about his kids and his wife, and you could just tell all of it was genuine. Players like him are rare on the field. They're perhaps rarer off of it. And because of it, he'll likely end up being more missed than anyone realizes with the Lions. Thanks, as always, to my producer, David Woodley, and to Regents Field and Blue Wire for hosting this podcast. Check out all my coverage on ESPN and on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Routhscene. Make sure to give this podcast a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, anything else I'm missing. Barring major news, we're going back to our regular schedule now. So we'll be back chatting with you again on Monday.